if we're going to follow Christ and obey Christ and we're not developing integrity, are you kidding me? Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change. The podcast will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. Well, it's good to be here with Effective Heart Change. We do a class right before this, and part of the idea of working with you, Dale, and and all of this was, hey, there's days when God shows up, I don't know how else to say it, and and really some neat dynamics emerge, and so I wanted to be able to take some of what happened there and recreate it in a curriculum slash message format, and so this is one of those days we are here today. Well, I would I would uh, offer that I think he shows up all the time. Well, okay, all <laughs> but right. but in a special uh, in a special ways sometimes there's just there's an atmosphere and and I think a lot of it has to do with attitude. Uh, there the, the connections that are made individually add up to a greater possibility in the room. And uh, when you when you get to experience that, it's it's a great it's a great day in the morning. We'll get to that total in a little bit because I call it the one another lifestyle and listening to, for God to speak to the group and et cetera. And so there's a lot of dynamics here that we'll get to after a little bit. But I want to start the same place that we started, which is the idea of trust. And over and over again, I hit hard this idea of. You know, you've got to trust people. Trust is the vehicle by which you draw strength. But man, there's an incredible flaw there. Because even Christian people, if you put your faith in godly people, there's a point at which you will be disappointed. So I modified that a little bit to try to bring the practical reality in. And the modification is you can trust people to be who they are. So obviously, one of the things, the mantras that we use, I use is the idea of trusting God and trusting godly people. So godly people in general, hopefully, are more consistent. They've got integrity. They're more worthy of trust in the big picture, so I can trust godly people in most areas. But almost everyone that's godly has that one area. Almost? Okay, everybody. <laughs> and and uh, I, I appreciate your point. We all have capacity to be uh, receptive uh, or rejective. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word even, but, but uh, it isn't just Christians. You'd, you'd like to think that a Christian person would be more likely to, but the reality is we all have those spots, blind spots, and, and uh, so they need to be taken into consideration. In class, I threw myself under the bus. Yeah, you did. Um, you got I mean, run over pretty good, I, too. I got, I got <laughs> run over, baby. I mean, there's, there's areas, and, and one of the areas that uh, I have been criticized for is in that area of organization communication. And so I, I really put that out there. And there's a particular person there that I go back and forth, and I'm wrong. I'm in the wrong. I'm, I'm not responding the way I need to. Again, not intentionally, but I'm a busy person. I have a lot of push and pulls. I can make all kinds of excuses, but the reality is there's something there that I should be doing in terms of communication. 
I don't get it done. And it was real easy for that person, for the entire group to be able to go, you know, they've got this head shake of, <laughs> yes, you mess up there. Well, okay, I have a lot of areas where there's integrity, where I am trustworthy, where you can draw life from me. But man, here's one area that I brought up that I just don't. And it's not that I don't try to. It's not that I don't want to. Or that you don't care. Or that I don't care. It just, it continues to happen. And so if a person really judged me totally according to that one area, guess what? At some level, you're going to discount me in total, and you're not going to receive from the other things that maybe I could offer. In the language of the, the material we've been talking about, you're not safe there. Oh, I am not safe. I am definitely not reliable. I'm not a good covering. I am not a good provider, nurturer, caregiver. I mean, I, I fall apart on all of those areas. But that's one thing. That isn't the whole picture. And, and so in the picture, there's a lot of areas that, wow, I'm trustworthy. I'm safe. You can draw this from me. You can, you can respond to me very badly with anger, with temper, whatever, and I'm probably going to maintain an even keel and be able to handle that. So you've got all these different areas. But what happens is then we tend to do this all or nothing. If there's one little area in a person that ticks us off or that we're angry or that they fall short in, then, well, I just can't trust that person at all. And the the real truth is you can trust every person to respond according to who they are. If you're going to have any kind of relationship with someone, there has to be an acceptance of the faults. I have them, and, and the tendency is we see others a lot better than, than we see ourselves, and we don't think that we're, we're projecting any kind of negativity, and the reality is we all have the faults, and, and so it demands, if we're going to have a relationship, it demands some grace. It demands, oh, I recognize that, but Look at all the things that this person adds to what I can be. This thing is not even Christian, non-Christian. This is you can trust every person to be according to who they are. And, and what's really maddening, there are some non-Christians that have greater pieces of integrity in, in a larger part of their lives than Christians. Why is that maddening? Uh, if we're going to follow Christ and obey Christ and we're not developing integrity, are you kidding me? I mean, that's just, to me, that's maddening. It, a person who has dedicated his life to Christ should have that overall integrity in er- every area. However, I'll put an asterisk. Babies, baby Christians are baby Christians. So when you start out, you start out wherever you start, and it may take a while to develop that integrity. So that, that part's okay. I'm really talking about the person who's been in Christ for a while, and they're still lying, cheating, stealing, whatever language you want to use, but they haven't grown up in Christ, and the integrity is not there. That, to me, is maddening. I ask because it sounded like it was uh, uh, directed— it it could have been taken either way that it was directed towards the person that wasn't a believer and and so the, the more is expected of someone that is living a Christ-like life right life is what I would you're hope saying. so yeah and the flip side of that 
You can't discount. A lot of times we try to do it. Oh, well, they're not saved. They're not. Bad. No, you don't discount any human being. Every human being has been created by God and they've got different purposes. And obviously, I believe, you believe that, that once Christ comes in, there should be a positive difference and you should see a different dynamic. But in terms of this area, God frequently uses people in my lives, not according to, are they saved? Are they not saved? Are they hearing from God? You know, is this a spiritual thing? But it's, it's people, me and people. Well, we need to take a break. And after the break, one of the things, we're going to shift gears just a little bit because I want to go into, I call it the one another lifestyle and starting to see people according to who God has created them to be, because that's where you really receive strength in life. It's going to be a cool discussion, but we want to take some time to explore what we've been talking about so far. We'll be back shortly. Many times what we do, we're looking to a man of God, or we're looking to the most spiritual person in the group or et cetera, to try to be the leader, to try to really bring this thing home. And that's the person I'll trust. And I won't trust anything from anyone else. Now, I'm going to suggest to you something very, very different. And there are just incredible things that come out of this. And it ties into what I frequently talk about, which is the one another lifestyle. I believe in Acts chapter 2, where it talks about the Holy Spirit is poured out through all flesh. Amen. Now, that's an incredible thing that God did. God said, oh, you know, this isn't going to just be Jesus. This isn't going to just be a few select disciples. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And I start back with this question, uh, do you have a body? If you have a body, you are a candidate. You got it. For the Holy Spirit to show up in your temple. Your body serves as that temple, and the Holy Spirit literally comes in and connects with your spirit and energizes and strengthens and guides and speaks through you, and you become the release point for God into the world around you. We, uh, oftentimes, you hear someone talk about how they uh, found Jesus. Uh, we don't find Jesus Jesus finds us, and the Holy Spirit is the, is the conduit uh, for him entering in. The, that, that wooing that we have a sense of, not us wooing God, but God woos us through the Holy Spirit, and, and we don't credit that often enough. Humans have a long history of this, and a lot of times people don't know this, but if you go back to the days of Moses, God literally says there, that his will for Israel to, was to make them a kingdom of priests. He literally recruited the entire nation to come to him, to hear his voice, to, and then literally go out into the world, so to speak, and, and share his life. He, he literally said, I have chosen you, Israel, so that you will be a kingdom of priests. Then you have Mount Sinai, and God shows up in great power and glory. And the people are scared to them, and they're immediate. They're like, Moses, you go up on the mountain. We, we don't want to deal with God, et cetera. And then you fast forward to the church where God says, okay, plan B. Now I'm going to pour myself out on all flesh. Well, we don't believe that. And let's go back to the trust piece that we talked about in the last segment. 
What we believe is not that the Holy Spirit is poured out among fragile, broken human beings. We want that one man of God, perfect leader. And when I can find that man of God, perfect leader, I'll follow him. And that's kind of what we tend to do in religion. Then you end up with all kinds of different camps and divisions. Well, my man of God says this, and your man of God says that, and we can't get along. And then you get all kinds of squabbles and fights, and it's just not a very pretty picture. Church, church splits. Church, church splits, everything that goes on. And I'm suggesting something that I believe is, is very powerful that's different. When I do small groups, God has really worked with me. I, I used to come in and try to be the man and, and fit exactly that vision. But when I do small groups, I come in watching and listening for God, which is a very different approach. I, I might have something that I really knew was God. I might not. In fact, a lot of times we see God show up so consistently. A lot of times if I don't have anything, I'm not worried about it. I go in, I ask a few questions, people say things. Devotions from different people start to come together, and all of this thing starts to mesh into a way where it's like, whoa, God is here, and he is speaking, and it's much better than if I had come in with my intentions of teaching them good stuff. I've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth repeating. When we did radio, uh, there were times that we tried to orchestrate what we were going to do, and uh, it didn't turn out real well. There was not a flow. There wasn't a. There wasn't the presence uh, that you desire of the Holy Spirit. When we came and and uh, you had been reading what you'd been reading and I'd been reading what I'd been reading, and the mix was amazing because it wasn't us anymore. We got out of the way and just followed the lead of the Holy Spirit. And those were the powerful programs. So I come into a group meeting. And a lot of times I, I love uh, a tape one time that I heard about a person describing this. He said, yeah, a lot of times I come in and I'm just kind of treading water, hanging out, waiting to see what, what God's going to do. And I, I've loved that imagery and it's really stayed with me. And so a lot of times I'll come into a group and I'm, I'm just there. I'm kind of treading water. I don't have a direction. I don't have a sense. And I'm, I'm listening. In fact, sometimes I do this in prayer meetings too, where You've got prayer meetings and you're going and and people are coming in and they're praising God and they're giving thanks. And hey, that's good. A lot of times that's what's needed to what I call prime the pump. You know, God inhabits the praises of his people. So I don't necessarily have to do the meeting where I can't speak until I know it's God. I, I can actually come in, be a human being, and just begin to pray what I know to pray. So I'm giving thanks to God. I'm praising God. We're going along. The prayers are happening, and all of a sudden, at a point, there's just something, and I don't know how else to say it, but you're watching this thing, and you recognize, whoa, 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 something's going on here. God, I'm sensing something that I think is you. And a lot of times in prayer meetings that I lead, what ends up, someone will be praying something, and I'll get this sense of, all right, this is God. We need to linger here. And so sometimes you back that prayer up with another prayer, and then, and then somebody else feels it. It's almost like it's contagious, and then the next person begins to pray. And next thing you know, the prayer meeting just catapults into a whole different realm because you're being led and orchestrated by God. Those kind of prayer meetings are fun to be a part of, and they are incredibly powerful. You said the magic word, listening. Uh, we spend way much, too much time 
with our mouth in gear when it ought to be idle. And, and we miss out on opportunities that listening uh, is, is a, it's more than just an auditory thing. It's a heart thing. And, and when you take time to listen, you take time to honor the, the person that has the floor, or more especially, take time to hear what God has to offer uh, and suggest push you in a direction, whatever you want, however you want to put it. But listening is key. I'm, I'm going to use a different word, same song, second verse, just stand in a different place, but I'm going to use the word watching. I mean, I'm not just listening, which you're talking about, but there's just, and I don't know how, to, I'm just trying to describe me. I'm trying to describe what I do, where you're just, there's, there's an attentiveness that's maybe even beyond or different from the actual words. When you say yeah. listening, that's an aspect, and, and yeah, that's right. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you're wrong, but there's a watching aspect. A lot of times I do the unpardonable thing. I have my eyes open during prayer. And so a lot of times it's kind of like I am actually. I've got my eyes open and I'm watching, and it's just like you can almost see the Spirit of God descending on someone. You can see a peace or you can see a joy. And then you've got the listening piece. And so there's this, this watching, listening combination, but you're watching specifically for something, and that's for God to show up and to manifest, to, to flow through, to have a release point of a person in the group that, okay, this is our jumping off place, and this is where we begin to move. You mentioned we came from class, uh, which we do most of the days that we're recording. Uh, one of the things... It, which is a habit of mine, is I scan faces and body language. Uh, it's, it's always interesting. Uh, when you look up and most everybody is leaning forward, uh, everybody is, that is leaning forward is involved. They're, they're oh, you have my attention. And, and when you see that, uh, you, you've just walked into a mind that's full of gold. Good stuff. I love it. I love those kind of classes. And fortunately, when you start to do what we're going to be talking about in the next section, when, we, when you do that, that happens more often than not. It's a powerful thing. Take a few moments, talk about where we've been, and then we will continue. We've been talking today about a topic we brought up in class. It starts with trust, and you can trust people to be who they are. And then we segued into the idea that God wants to pour himself out through us. The time that you really can trust people is when God is showing up through them. You can't trust that everywhere, all the time. There's nobody that I know that walks 100% in Christ to where I can trust everything they say everywhere all the time. I mean, that just isn't happening. And frankly, to me, that's a flaw a lot of times of how churches and Christian leaders operate. We tend to exalt a person or two or three people and just say, whatever they say, that's good for me. Then we lose what I talked about with Moses. We lose what I talked about with Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh and God's orchestrating this giftedness where one person gets to be the eye, somebody else gets to be the ear, somebody else is the hand. 
and it's a, I talk about this with spiritual gifts, it's a stand up, sit down sort of a thing that, that's going on where, wow, it's, it's your turn right now. I need to be quiet. Oh, it's my turn. Well, you need to be quiet. Oh, it's somebody else's turn. I mean, that's such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ when we actually start acting like a body <laughs> instead of everything's this guy and the rest of us. So, well, we just kind of run around and try to be um, a nobody in the shadow. We, you bring up that the, the, we're all blessed with, uh, by God with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's poured in flesh. And, and what I hear you saying and what my experience is, personal and otherwise, is that I don't want responsibility for a lot of things, so it's easier to put it on someone else. The, the, the Jewish people put, him, put it on Moses. He went up a mountain, let him and deal with it, and tell us what to do and we'll do it. Well, uh, that, that didn't quite work out. No, and, they, uh, they didn't exactly do no, it. <laughs> they did pretty much the opposite. We're the same. We're doing. We're, we want somebody else to take the hit and take responsibility for it. We want the benefits, but we don't want the responsibility. How that translates, and I, I don't see this happen very often, how that translates is, do I really believe that the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh? Do I foster that? Do I nurture that? When I have someone who speaks up a lot of times in a group, someone will speak and they're not necessarily there. They're a new believer, so they don't know what's going on or whatever, and so they're not really there, but yet I hear something. And a lot of times if you stop and you begin to ask questions and you camp out there, that person became the catalyst for the work of God in the group. And when they realize they've been the catalyst, what happens with that person? That person is like, oh, wow. I matter. I matter. I said something significant. Why, my words at least became the jumping off point for something really cool that happened in class today. And that's, that's just an amazing thing when that happens. And that's when you get the lean forward. That's when you get the, I'm going to engage. I'm going to be a part of this. And then you get into something else that's really amazing, which I call value transfer. Now, this one is huge because all of us, we feel good about ourselves in the area of our spiritual gift, or we feel bad about ourselves in the spiritual gift. So what are we trying to do? We're all trying to be the hero. We're all trying to, I'm a teacher, so I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to jump in and give great wisdom. And hopefully when a class has happened and I've really given great wisdom, why, I've just had a good class. But the one another lifestyle actually teaches you to do just the opposite. And that's where I'm not worried about me expressing my gifts. I'm not worried about me expressing wisdom. I come in with a clear intention of seeing God show up in and through the people around me. Uh, I consider myself a coach and a teacher, uh, and, but my recognition of that uh, leads me to. Uh, take the most delight in someone else being the teacher. I'm just a uh, helping hand, so to speak. Uh, maybe give a little direction, but but to allow someone else to express, and and it has a deeper meaning when when it's the student that that brings out 
uh, and, and that's a sign of the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and that, I take more delight in that uh, than I do in being right or teaching something that changes. Let's talk about giving honor because this is really huge. Every one of us craves that sense of value. So every one of us is there. And normally what we do instinctively, I've got to perform my gift. I've got to do this. I've got to be this kind of a person. When we pause that and we start living the one another lifestyle, and I'm watching everyone in the group, I'm listening to everyone in the group, and I'm looking for them to be used by God. When they're used by God and I hear it and I respond to it, and maybe I even affirm that, what happens? They feel valued. When you're giving away honor, when you're giving away value, guess what that person's response to you is going to be? It's, it's fun to watch. And, and it, you can just see them. They're, again, body, uh, they set up straight. or uh, the, 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 There is a change. There's a physical change. There's a mental change. And more importantly, there's a heart change because you're saying to them, you do matter. I'm listening. And it's not just a change in them. The last part of what you said, they turn that around and give that back. So here I am needing honor. So I'm trying to jump into my gift and I'm trying to be really eloquent and do all of these different things. The most powerful thing I can do is just set my gift down and recognize when other people are walking in this place. And as they're walking in that place and you're recognizing it, they feel valued. They're going to turn around and give honor back. You're going to feel that honor come back. You're going to actually be trusted. Now that you're trusted, you actually get to play a more significant role in that person's life. Think about the dynamics and how all of this works. The one another lifestyle is incredibly powerful, but instead what we have is a leadership model where, Moses, you go up the mountain, you hear from God, you come back, and after you've, you've heard from God, I'll try to do what you, what you want. Well, guess what? That doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work, until we connect with God, we won't have the ability to do what God's called us to do. So if I'm sending Moses up to the mountain, letting him come back and talk to me, and then I'm going to try to do it, that doesn't work. I need the power of God in my life, working in my life. When I'm getting that, then I'm able to do it. That's not going to happen until I what start recognizing in the group. Oh, God showed up there. God showed up there. God showed up there. When I'm recognizing that, I might be more likely to recognize when God shows up here. If you don't get it, you ain't got it. <laughs> if you don't go up the mountain, you don't get it. You come back down, you, you still don't have it. So, Again, amazing time today. I hope you're getting some of the feel of that, and this is something that you can implement in groups that you're working in where you actually come together and camp around what's God doing, and let's try to recognize that. It's a powerful concept. We'll be back right after this. Not everything that feels like God is God. I want to just start off with kind of a stark statement. And one of the things I talked about in class was pride. 
I, how many of you are pride people? And a number of hands went up. And one of the statements I make in this area, the pain you have in correction will be proportional to your pride. So if you're a proud person, anything that comes at you that feels a little bit like correction is, is like a punch in the gut. I mean, it's a sucker punch. It's a blow to the face. It's like, how dare you talk to me? It's like personal. That, oh, it is personal. It's etc. One of the things that I want to get across is if you are getting hit that hard, there's a pretty good chance it actually is God. It's a sucker punch, and it's from you. <laughs> I mean, you know, as far as the, the way you receive it. For years. I mean, I'm the teacher guy. I, I'm the knowledge guy. I'm supposed to bring information. I'm supposed to bring understanding. Anytime this thing came back of, you don't know what you're talking about, or you're wrong, or et cetera, it's just, I mean, for years, it was kind of like, oh, you know, I mean, I would just respond to it. But some of those things were the most powerful, this is God thing that I had to learn to recognize when I'm having this strong, averse response, negative response, when I'm having that, that actually is God. If people don't start recognizing that response in themselves, in the group, then you're going to end up with all kinds of division in the group. And instead of being able to walk this through in the one another lifestyle, that one person, two person, they're receiving rebukes, they're not willing to receive the correction, they will absolutely destroy the one another lifestyle in a group where we're coming together to hear from God. And that goes both ways, doesn't it? And as a teacher, you get that negativity in response. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to, to, to learn, for me to learn that, that uh, uh, I'm not necessarily on the right track. There's a phrase that I use, I call it put in and play. And I use that a lot of times when I'm working with people. There's, the first time you correct someone, there's almost like a 0% chance that they're going to hear you. And so a lot of times when I'm approaching someone and I know they're not ready to hear it, but I know they need to hear it and we need to start this conversation, I, I put it in play. I bring the basic facts that I know. I, I put them on the table. I lay out, hey, we've got this, this, this. Uh, can you explain this to me? I mean, this is the way it appears. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I mean, you'll get the defensiveness. You'll get all of the different responses. And so I just leave it at, well, it appears to be this way. I want you to think about it, pray about it. And I walk away from that situation. That's why I call it put it in a play. I walk away without punishing. I walk away without definitive statements. I walk away without saying, you're lying to me or anything else. One of the things that has to be able to happen to build this one another lifestyle is this kind of a put it in play type of mentality. The prophetic voice, when it really operates well, a lot of times prophetic voice is really strong where it's like, you've got to listen to me, et cetera. But prophetic voice comes in with a right and wrong of, hey, this is right, this is wrong, et cetera. Sometimes the most powerful thing that can happen is this put in and play where I'm able to say, hey, I'm concerned about this area. And if you jump back and you're angry and et cetera, I'm able to say, you know what? I'll pray about it some more. Why don't you pray about it some more? We don't have to resolve this right here, right now. That's so valuable because... Uh... We're not ready for conversations like that. That's, 
uh, and we take it personally. And we're and that's something that all of us could get better at is is to not take everything as a personal affront that consider listen to it consider it but your your follow up to to presenting it and then say well take time i'll think about it you think about it and we can go on that's that's giving space that's grace uh, i like to call it because you're saying to the person uh i I've, i'm i'm willing to wait uh, but we need to have this conversation. Another aspect of this is the question, what is God saying? What is God doing? Sometimes you might have someone in the group who's just a brand new convert and et cetera. I talk about in counseling sessions, a lot of times I'll listen for 55 minutes before I virtually even say a word. I'll ask a few questions during that period of time. But I'm primarily listening, and so then I get five minutes to speak. Well, that's the cost that is there to develop the, I really am caring, I am getting to know you, I am listening, so now I've earned the right to speak. You get the same thing in groups. Sometimes you've got a new believer. Well, what are new believers going to do? A lot of times they're babies, which means they blather on about what they know and all of this stuff, and everybody in the group could be doing this. They could be rolling their eyes going, oh, really? I have to listen to this? I have to put up with this? If you start asking the question, what is God saying? What is God doing? I've got a new believer. I've got to spend those 55 minutes listening. I've got to make that person feel affirmed, built up, renewed. Honored. They're honored. So there's times in the group when it's like the rest of you are adults, put up, shut up, and let's, let's pay attention to what God's doing here. And no, you don't get your day of dynamic teaching today or, or whatever it is that they came into the group for. No, we have to pay attention to what God is doing here, and the one another lifestyle says, let's build these kingdom priorities and principles. That's hard because so often people come in to be entertained. They come in to learn something, and this, group, this group's not all about that person. Well, on a particular day, it might be all about one person. Put up, shut up, and listen. And, and, and if you listen, you're going to hear things that Polly, you're going to surprise you. And, and the outcome uh, of you removing yourself, uh, not totally, but to, to stay silent, is going to give you opportunity to see and hear and feel things that you wouldn't otherwise if you were talking. If you can get to that point to where it's not all about me. Absolutely. And I come in and I'm listening for God and I'm watching what he's doing, who he's working with, how he's growing where he's taking all kinds of different things. When, when that's how I approach a group, life is just so different. And this is the one another lifestyle. And I, I try to develop this with prayer meetings. I try to develop this with groups. I recently had a long-term friend who'd been at a retreat, and he just said he was shocked at the interaction. He was shocked at the freedom of people talking back and forth and me dialoguing with people because I take this everywhere I go into a, as a style format that, hey, I want to hear from you. I'm, I want to pick up on what you're saying. And that valuing, that's just, it creates an incredible interaction. And here's what's really cool. When you practice that for a while, people become more attentive to, you know what? I think I am supposed to speak up now. Oh, I think I'm supposed to be quiet now. 
they actually get better and better at cooperating at a group level, and this thing becomes group process. Now you want to talk about some really cool stuff in terms of the dynamics of what God's doing in and through that group. It just keeps getting better and better. You use the term style format. Uh, I would offer that it's a lifestyle. That's what it becomes. When you when you honor and uh, make the effort to listen and really listen, not just perfunctory stuff, but listen to the person and hear, uh, it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes something that comes naturally. And, and when that happens, you're, you're, you're prime real estate. You're, you're ready to be developed. And, uh, and that's a blessing from God. And here's the other piece. When you hear them, they feel valued. They give it back. You feel valued. I tell you, the number one issue that I would love to be able to address everywhere entire cultures, people everywhere, is that value piece. So you want to really grow value, start recognizing God in other people, recognize what he's doing in other people, reinforce it, affirm it, walk through that. It will absolutely change your life because you will start feeling your sense of worth. You'll have a greater degree of confidence. It's just a life-changing thing. I challenge you. I hope you'll jump into it. Hope you've enjoyed this, this period of uh, recreating what happened an hour ago. Uh, it's important stuff that we believe needs to be out there. Thank you for joining us in this session. Uh, life is an adventure. Walking with God is an adventure. And I hope you're getting caught up into it and you're enjoying it the way we're enjoying it. We'll see you next time. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.